And a welcome to you, good humans, to the Nerdist Podcast number 401. Uh, I'll be performing stand-up comedy a bit this fall as soon as September 11th through the 14th at Cobbs in San Francisco. Also September 27th at the Wilbur Theater in Boston and November 8th at the Carolina Theater in Durham, North Carolina. And I'm working on rescheduling shows like the ones in Minneapolis that I had to miss. Because uh, of work. I work a lot, you guys. Uh, so I need to move some work out of the way so I can go do more work. Uh, but uh, I'm excited to get back out on the road and do a bunch more stand-up. So come out and say hi. There's always hugs and high-fives afterwards. So, uh, But really come out to the San Francisco shows if you're uh, in that region at all. Because I'm performing at Cobbs. And that's a big damn place. I'm doing like five shows there. So uh, come by Nerdist.com slash calendar to get info and tickets on that stuff. Attention Futurama fans. The last episode of Futurama is September 4th on Comedy Central, and I know you're going to be brokenhearted about this. A lot of good stuff is ending this year, um, but uh, we have partnered, we as a Nerdist have partnered with Comedy Central, and we're doing a live stream Q&A uh, with a bunch of people from Futurama, like <laughs> Matt Craning and David X. Cohen and Maurice LaMarche and some other cast members will be announcing in the next couple of days. Uh, but it's pretty much everyone. and uh, Or most most everyone. Um, so you will definitely... We actually are giving away tickets to, to 100 people to come out and see that live when we do it um, at the YouTube space in Los Angeles. Uh, I think that might be full. But if you go to Nerdist.com, you can get information on that. And uh, the live stream, we're doing a Q&A before the last episode. Uh, and then another little wrap-up... Um, chat after the episode so before and after we'll surround it with uh try to try to surround it with as many uh, goodbye hugs as possible and uh i mean who knows you know futurama uh, keeps coming back so uh, you know we don't have to say that it's necessarily going to be gone forever uh but this is the series finale in this iteration and uh, hopefully someday we'll get it back but until then uh you have us at nerdist to uh, to live stream this event for you on wednesday september 4th this episode is uh, another band that I adore that really, again, I've said this a lot, but I kind of feel like at this point we're cheating the system and that the podcast is just a way for us to sneakily meet people that we want to meet and be like, oh, by the way, can we record this conversation? It's funny, if we just said, hey, can we meet uh, a bunch of bands that we like, people would probably go, mm, go, why don't you go to hell? Try that. But we go, hey, we like to meet bands. We'll bring recording equipment, and then they keep saying yes. So uh, <laughs> that's the sneaky trick you got to do if you want to meet people you want to meet, is just bring recording equipment. But uh, I love The National, and, uh, well, this is just Matt, Matt Berninger from The National, uh, who's the vocalist and, uh, and writes a lot of songs, and he's... Uh, uh, a swell dude who had us into his home to record this, so we didn't come to meltdown. We actually just we infiltrated his domicile and uh, and uh, interrogated him for an hour, and he was great. Their new album is called Trouble Will Find Me, and it's out, so you should buy it and stuff it into your ears as, as quickly as you possibly can. And uh, here we go, Nerds Podcast episode number 401 with Matt Berninger of The National. Now entering Nerdist.com. How's my hair? 
It looks good for this audio podcast. Good. It looks fantastic. Can you hear it? Can yeah, you, you can hear it. Just, just, you just like you try smile. different hairstyles for different songs on your album. Are we recording? Yeah. Yeah, we are now. <laughs> um, can you hear my hair? I do. Uh, Even your hair sounds good. My my hair doesn't do any any styles. <laughs> it's, it's it's like it's it's this way or that way. That's kind of the way. The only thing it does. Um, was, there ever any, was there ever any point where you're like, the band should look like this, or are you like, it doesn't matter? Or then did you start worrying it's like, about it? Why does the band look like this? <laughs> um, no, but there was there was when we did did start. There was a, uh, um, you know, the the Interpol and the Strokes just looked so awesome, and uh, and we attempted to like, well, what should we look like? You know, we need to look. We we need to do something, and we took a photo where we were all like in t-shirts in a in a field. I don't know what we were going for. I had like a, a low V-neck. Remember, there was a short time where they even for men they were making these really low cut sort of V-neck. Oh yeah, that's called American yeah. Apparel. They still do oh, it. Do they yeah, still like do a that? level twelve <laughs> something. I I thought that might be an interesting idea. I have no idea what we we're thinking, but it was. Um, it looked we looked so terrible and and um and weird and just just uns- the opposite of sexy i'm not sure what that <laughs> is like um so that was the last time we attempted to like try something um and then a few years ago i just started wearing suits um like on stage and cuz i realized that that uh that is just you know has the least amount you uh, cannot going, go wrong yeah the least amount can go wrong with that yeah. um and and as if as i get older it i won't look silly mm-hmm. in like you know my cutoffs and v-neck shirts my cutoff uh, short pants we're not going to look good, you know. Yeah, like the Beatles never look back at their 64, 65 period and go, "We looked ridiculous." But if they look at Magical Mystery Tour, they must now think, "Well, well the they, two that are alive must when now they think, off, we looked ridiculous." When they, they kind of went off on their own, like it was so interesting to see the evolution of we're all the same unit, and now our unit is we're all unique and individual. Like, I think it was very much a product of the late 60s of like yeah. individuality, and I'm the denim guy, and I'm the cute one with the suit. And My favorite thing is when they went back to they're all, they're all doing the Amish, like the big black hats, like yes. big long oh, beards, yeah. and black like black coats. What, what was that? I think that was, right, right that was Abbey Road. Beard. Or Abbey yeah. Road. I don't think George Harrison ever got out of that. I think he just. I yeah. think he just stayed there. No, that was that was one of the coolest looks. I George thought. was the best Beatle. That's all. He agree. was pretty great. Thank uh, you. I'm. I've become um, as as time g- goes by uh, a, a Ringo fan. There's something. There's something about. Have you Ringo. been to the Grammy I Museum? Have. I went as well. I have with uh, Tony Faxon. I bought a T-shirt. I bought. Did you buy the one of him in the spacesuit? Yeah, well, I that's bought the that only one, one they have for men. I had to buy that. I wanted the one with the sparkly, the, the, the sparkle jewels that says Ringo on it, uh, <laughs> but they didn't. They didn't have it for men, uh, uh, so I bought it for for my wife, uh, and then it was too small for her. So now my daughter, it, I put it, put my daughter that's in. That's fantastic. Yeah. No, but that be if you if if those listening, there's a Grammy Museum in Los Angeles. And there's a uh, change-out exhibit they do all the time. And right now it's Ringo. So it's just there's a, Ringo, Ringo, it's just a Ringo Star it's exhibit. Ringo. But they have, like, his drum kit. They have, like, his Let It Be outfit. They have his one of his suits from, like, a 65 tour. Well, our, 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 our friend Liam Lynch is friends with Ringo. 
Yeah. And he says he's awesome. Yeah. And I'm just sure tells like the best stories and he's a sweet guy and we should get I him bet. on the podcast. I think he I think he might do it. Matt, is there some sort of musical number you could call where you can just get a beetle on the phone? <laughs> Where's the music hotline? Ringo, yeah. <laughs> people people in bands all can talk to Ringo. Someone should uh, cover like it's like Okay, I get it. You know, yeah, you could cover Hey Jude, or you could cover Imagine, but no one has covered uh, You're 16, You're Beautiful, right. and You're Mine. Like, someone should cover, like, a, like a Ringo. Oh, yeah. so has there been, like, a Ringo tribute album? I don't know. I'm sure there can how many, be. How many, how many of the Beatles songs were his? I mean, there's... there's Octopus's Garden. That one's the big one. There's a handful. There's a bunch of them. Yeah. You could uh, do that thing that like Sun Kill Moon does, cover an entire album and just like it's just the Ringo. The national yeah. covers Ringo. Yeah. Is this- if you need I mean, don't even kickstart it, I'll give you the money. Okay. Yeah. I mean, if you want to do that. Do yeah. you want to just pool the cash that we have now to do it? Uh yeah, I mean I have I like get, eighty dollars. Like Is that enough to do a Ringo album? It should be. <laughs> <laughs> One would think. Um no, but uh it's hard. We were just um we Went on right before Paul McCartney at the uh, at a festival uh, just a couple of weeks ago, Outside Land Festival. Oh, and, which is amazing! Yeah, beautiful. They- um, and but I mean, we, it, this happens not just with Paul McCartney, but like every big headline, even even like when Dylan, you know, Dylan's headlining a festival, or it happened when we, when when we we uh, we were someplace where Prince was headlining, or another place even where t- even Tom Petty, even Tom Petty. But um, they shut down. It's like they shut down everything for for like the, the 15 minutes uh, before they're supposed to go on or you, it's actually longer than that it's like yeah. half an hour and like you cannot um you can you you could be a mile away from the stage um where where you know whoever it is is arriving in a in a you know you know black tinted vehicle um, and they will shut down even over there you can't you can't go through gates and you, you, it's it's complete lockdown um and so that happened at, at Outside Lands um, when uh, Paul McCartney came through. And so none of us were able, none of us, I can't even remember where I was when, it, when lockdown happened. But, um, <laughs> but apparently all of our crew who were, were taking down all of our stuff, you know, and, yeah. and, and putting all of our stuff in the, in, the, in the cases and stuff were still on the stage. And, um, and when it came lockdown, even they had to just stand still. While while McCartney came came through the area, came up to the to the stage and everything, just like people weren't even allowed to walk around. It's just like what what happened. But but they they say like he walked. There's like four of our guys and our crew standing there and just all sweaty and and like just and all of a sudden he walks right past them and he just looks at looks at all four of them and goes, "Looking good, boys." <laughs> <laughs> and they were, they, they were just you can't even respond. You're just yeah, supposed to course. stand there and like oh they, they just smiled and gave him the thumbs up. But anyway, I thought that was nice. He's, Outside Lands is a great festival, which I think is not as popular as its sister festival, Bonnaroo. I shouldn't say popular. It's just not as well known. Like people know, people ever go Bonnaroo, and then you go Outside Lands, and they go, where's that? Well, I, didn't San re- I didn't realize those were brothers and sisters. Yeah, they're, they're sister festivals. How does that work? Does it mean the same promoter, the same I believe it's the same. Yeah, it's, I yeah. believe it's the same team that does Bonnaroo, produces. Uh, why do they always think Jack Johnson started Bonnaroo? I don't did know. Did I make that up in my head? I don't know. You, th- you thought that up. Jack Johnson did? I don't yeah. know. I don't know why he, I would think that. I don't know where in my brain that Jack connection. Johnson's uh, 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 brand of uh, jazzmatazz, I like to call it. <laughs> it boom, a... ba, boom, ba, da, ba, da, ba, All he needs is a Taylor guitar, no shoes. That guy just goes for it. <laughs> How was... Uh, Hacky sack. Is there, is there any part of you guys that's like, oh, fuck, uh, Paul McCartney's probably watching this. Do you not? Does that not bother you at all or get in your head or do you... Paul McCartney's watching what? You, you guys. If you go on before him, there's no, a, he's, he's not got watching lockdown. Us. He's got lockdown. 
He doesn't need. He to wasn't be watching. Although he did say this is this is this is uh, what we heard and, um, is that uh, we when we played Outside Lands, Kronos Quartet oh. uh, played with us. Beautiful. They also played with Paul McCartney afterwards and doing all the strings for for the songs that he was doing. Um, Sorry, and that's it. Uh, uh, we Kronos Quartet told us that they talked with Paul McCartney for a while. And apparently he kept asking them questions about the national. He was he's like, he's like, you play with the national? I love the national. So, yeah, that's what we heard secondhand from Kronos Quartet. Although those guys are a bunch of liars. Seriously. Um, no, no. <laughs> and they all talk at the same time, but in different ranges. <laughs> different. <laughs> I like that later. You are the national. You like the national. I like the national. Like, they, they are actually, they were wonderful, uh, uh, amazing, amazing people, the Kronos Quartet. Uh, total badasses and party like pigs too. No. Um, I want that to be true. No, uh, they were cool. And we also uh, uh, Bob Weir joined us on stage for that. Oh show. yeah, I read about yeah. that. Yeah, it was fun. Anyway, that's really cool. Yeah, so because Outside Lands has a comedy tent effectively, and I I performed in it, it last year. Yeah, so it's Bonnaroo, and um, so I didn't really get to see the rest of the festival because I yeah. was performing all day, but I think last year it was, you know, Metallica and Skrillex, and I yeah. mean, it really is like the biggest people, at you know, playing at the, yeah. at the festivals. Yeah, it's a cool festival. Do you like doing festivals, or would you rather, or is it just like, well, this is just sort of a, because I know if you're a comedian, if you're doing, if you do a festival, it does kind of kill that that city for you for a while. You can't really go back and play there again anytime soon. Yeah, no, it's uh, everywhere you go. It's it's like if you're if you're gonna do the the big festival that's in town, they have exclusivity. You know, it makes sense. It's just because you also you know you can't play uh, a big show at say you know the Hollywood Bowl and then and then book another show at they at, at the Greek or something like that. Right. They, they 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 know the markets and everything. So, but it's um it depends. So we 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 have been doing a balance of those things. You know, festivals and then our own like theater shows and. Uh, they're both really cool in, in often very different ways. Um, you know, we don't do anything drastically different. Um, I definitely don't. I just drink wine, close my eyes, and, and get into the songs, whether it's in a, a little bar or, a, or a, a beautiful theater or a big outdoor festival. I kind of I kind of get kind of drunk and stomp around like a crazy man and, you know, uh, wherever we are. But, um, um I, I, it's a, what I prefer, I guess I think I think everything seems to click best inside inside a little small room somehow. Mm-hmm. You know, um, even I think like even the the, in, the indoor standing places are the best for us or whatever. Um, although I'm a big fan of of seeing shows seated theater shows and because um, you have the option to to sit down for just a, a song or two if you if you're if you're back is freaking out or whatever and well i think from the artist's point of view though it, if you're in a if you're in an intimate venue if you're standing on stage you can feel everyone in the room mm-hmm. and so i imagine that you know where it's like a big outdoor festival where it's like oh if it just goes thousands of people back and yeah. they're on the room that the people in the back are probably enjoying it just as much as a people in a venue but you as a performer can't feel them yeah. at all like it just it, you, everything just kind of sails harder. out into space. Yeah, it is. It is. It is a little harder. It's true. Um, I mean, one of the reasons why I've over the past tour or so, and uh, I started doing it la- touring for our last record, I started going out into the audience and climbing off the stages and, and kind of going out into the crowds, and um, is to is to uh, connect that 
that thing between the stage and 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 the the, the mass of people and stuff, and to sort of break down that wall. And um, I I I love it. it it's uh, and that's one thing that I think is a way that I've found to sort of whatever feel like get a closer, more direct uh, link to the electricity of that group of, of a mass of people like that. And, um, in some places, the big outdoor festivals, it can, sometimes it can be a little dangerous cause you got, you got whatever, 10, tens of thousands of people, you know, crushing in and, and tr- squeezing in. I think now they've, they've designed festivals better that, that those big dangerous crushes of, of bodies move, like, like they, they have barriers so that that can't happen. Like some of the dangerous things. That so you stage dive and then you hit someone in the face with uh with a, with a glass of wine or a bottle. No, I've never hit anybody in the face with a glass of anything. Um, um, that I can remember. Sebastian Bach. It's usually a, pla- a solo cup. I smash a people solo in the face cup. with a solo cup. Oh, it's a festival. You hit them in the face with <laughs> nah. a solo cup. Yeah. Um, Boy, the national, man. People get really just beat the shit out of each other. I did. I did. I had a, a relatively full solo cup of wine, and I and I flipped it into the air, and, and usually usually it'll tumble, and all the wine will it'll splash out. But I could tell this one was just kind of going, and it was staying in this perfect, perfect upright position through the air. And it was full of wine. It was like a big big cup of wine and i saw it coming down i was like oh that's gonna that's gonna be a, a that's gonna hurt you know and i could just i could see people that like were kind of looking and weren't looking and it came smack down on um, um luckily a dude i don't know why i'm it was better that it was a dude than him. it was right way better top, that it was a dude right on yeah. top of his head and exploded he seemed to love it but uh yeah, I've 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 stopped throwing things into the crowd um, i guess it does yeah red wine or white wine this is white wine. In, okay, in okay. so he was he was totally fine. I drink both flavors though. Have you ever, <laughs> have you ever, have you ever, have you ever been on stage and you felt like, oh, I told everyone's into this. I totally have a crowd, and then you kind of do something to where you're fucking around, and then you're like, shit, I think I just lost everyone. Do you have that, or are you going to go? Well, that's why you have music because then you can all automatically pull everyone back in. Yeah, well, mostly like, we are uh, we're we've gotten better, but we we're not good banter. We're not a good banter band. I, I, we've never thought of ourselves as a good banter band. Um, so occasionally you'll be in between songs. You'll, you'll think you're like, oh, this will this will you know be a funny quip, you know, or whatever. And um, and when those like when when one of those things just lands flat, it, it does it does you know the, the energy and the electricity suddenly just disappears for a second and that's when we're, uh, we pray for the drum beat to kick in there's, but, always, um, there's always that thing though where like a musician will say something on stage and the crowd will react as though they were louis ck doing his closer right and you i just turn and go it wasn't it wasn't right no no yeah. people, are, people have know. been overly generous with yeah. their laughter at far, our crappy banter far, i think it, i think generous. it i think it has a lot to do with the tone of the band and the the type of audience that's there, and I think, you know, if the music is, is, is like contemplative and it's soulful and people are really, you know, that there's a groove that they kind of get into on it, that just contextually their brains just aren't in the right place. You know, their brains right. are just not in the right place. And in any other situation, they might have been like, "Oh, that's really funny," but you know, it's sometimes I think it's hard to kick them out of that. That's why it's you know, like it can be really shitty as a comic to open for a band. Yeah. If, if you're oh, if you don't shitty. it's yeah. it depends on what the it depends on what the band is but i think if the energy just is it, it's just like one thing too many for an audience to be able to be like oh now i'm in this mode well, i think with with us actually uh 
we have our songs are melodramatic and they are uh, most of them are are tense and uh, and sometimes some of them are are dark and sad um, you just described the Kronos Quartet. <laughs> but, uh, are, are you saying the song "Sorrow" is sad and <laughs> right. intense? But I think in live, when when we're playing a, these, a bunch of these songs in a row, it's when in between some songs we take a break and and say something like make a penis joke or something like that. It actually relieves a lot of the tension in the room, and I think it's it's a good like I, I think the audience kind of. Uh, our audience actually reacts well to that. Is like the kind of, kind of taking uh, a piss on ourselves or a little sure. bit uh, out of ourselves. They it's want like, to know you're fun. We, yeah, don't, it's like, we don't piss on yeah. ourselves. I said that wrong. But um, so you guys all pee on each it, other it ritualistically it, before each show. <laughs> yeah, between every song we pee on each other. But 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 <laughs> that's it, not white wine. <laughs> but I think it does. It does. It does. Uh, it is a good tension release and otherwise you get two hours of dark intensity with with our songs and i think that could be too much um i don't know if i could listen to like two hours of us in in some of these songs do you you ever listen back on some of your songs you go jesus christ what was i going through at that time yeah yeah um there's a there's a there's i mean there's a lot of times i like wow that was there's a song available um which is a much much older song but it's like I listened to that I was like, wow, I was I was mad. You know, I was an angry, angry man at that point. I can't remember what I was so angry about. But, um, yeah, some, sometimes they're funny to look look back. And, and Are there any songs that people just totally miss? The, like, if there is there a song that's supposed to be more ironic, but people take it literally? Like, is there anything where you... Because, obviously, once you write something, put it out in the world, it's kind of not yours anymore. Like, everyone attaches uh, what they want to it. I like when people attach whatever they want to it. it and... and I don't use a lot of irony. I, I like I, I'm I'm this the songs are um, there's 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 silly moments and stuff, but they are they're not like uh, uh, yeah, irony is not what it, it would be. But I mean, I'm I'm like I dig into the stuff and I'm 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 some sincere about it. You know, the the ugly stuff and and the this, the dark stuff and and the weird self deprecating silliness of it all is like. It's never wink wink too much, really. It's 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 I don't know. It's just a weird combination of of the mess inside our brains, and I, I'm uh, I'm not I'm not too guarded about what goes into a song. But um, um, I think sometimes people often think like, oh, this these this is a metaphor that ha- it, it has a specific meaning, and they're all trying to figure out the, the meanings of songs, like the, as if they're these enigmas, these riddles, or whatever, and. Um, most of the time, that's not the case. They're not. They're not. There isn't a secret meaning that I know what the, what that line means. And everybody, it's the blurry lines that, that don't quite mean anything specific are are approximations of a feeling or, or or an idea. And I think that's often as close as you can get to the truth is is a blurry approximation of it. So, uh, so some of our blurry obtuse lyrics aren't aren't obtuse with the with the purpose of being, you know, clever or, 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 or hidden, you know, they're not these, like I said, they're not puzzles. They are just, that's about as close as you can get to, you know, an expression of love, you know, whether, because it's a combination, love's a combination of fear and, and lust and neediness and all these in ego, all these things, like when you say love, you know, so, if it's a if it's a line in a love song, it's usually a combination of a bunch of weird, blurry emotions and thoughts. So, but I, I do you ever get the experience of like so you write an album 
or you you like you rec- you write and you record and you're not really paying attention to the o- maybe you do but you're, you're not necessarily paying attention to the overall arc of what everything is but then you hear everything at, together and you go oh my god I didn't realize it but yeah. I guess my brain was trying to express this thing yeah. I just didn't realize it in the moment well this this record that happened more more so than than our other records in the fact that listening to the songs that they're coming together for Trouble Will Find Me uh, death kept like was coming. I was like, oh, there's there's another death reference in another song that is all all part of this collection. And in fact, there were there were three or four other ones that I was working on that were also bumped up against the idea of mortality and, and existence and and the ultimate you know non existence um, and all those things in different ways. So yeah, death death was a big theme on Trouble Will Find Me in in several different ways. It wasn't like all coming back to the same point. It was definitely there's some some songs that are funny, you know, ruminations on on death. Some that are that are more philosophical on what it, what what does it mean to be uh, to be alive and conscious versus not, and and what is what is what is afterlife, you know, and all these things that I was that were I was that were in the back of my head and were coming out in fragments of of lines and lyrics and um, so. Yeah, that's 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 what happened with this. I one. mean, for most people, they listen to it, I'm like, oh, this music's really great, and I really kind of dig, you know, what they're saying, or whatever. But you always sort of forget about the artist. Where you go, no, this is actually a living diary of whatever this person was going through at the time, which is, yeah. in a way is kind of um, exposes you. Yeah, I mean, it's it's it's. I'm a writer, so so to say it's a it's a diary would not be 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 quite right, but it but it is. Things that are things that are that are that are swimming around in the soup of my heart and brain come out in weird ways in in my writing, but 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 the writing isn't a isn't a um, a a uh, an attempt for me to express all uh, the details of my inner life or anything like that, or to get it down like a, like a diary might be. A sure. diary is something like this is what I'm going through right now. The the songs are, are abstract, some abstract. You know, stories and 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 thoughts and and collections of imagery and stuff that are that are about songs. I'm writing songs and I and writing beautiful songs and are trying to write songs that that move me in a lot of ways. But they're not all they're not all about me on a, on a, on a detail level at all. They are they are personal on an emotional level though. But well, but that, since they're not tied to specific details that people are aware of, then it's just sort of a layer of separation. Yeah, yeah. I mean. I think like any like writers, short story writers and stuff are are writing about themselves through these other the construct of a short story or you know a, a, a filmmaker is is you know or or a painter is is you know expressing something about themselves but through a portrait of a you know or, or you know of of something else. Are you are you, are you know. music first and then lyrics or is it like do you just start? I'm definitely melody first. I mean what happens the way it happens for us it's it's Aaron or Bryce will send little little sketches, little like simple guitar sketches or piano sketches that are uh very rudimentary and and just might have one or two parts, you know, and I will listen to that stuff and I will I will start to come up with melodies and sing sing melodies without and this has been this has been kind of where I've come to in, 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 in how I've enjoyed the process more. The past two records, it's been about just listening to that stuff, sitting back and just singing along without thinking at all. And, and sometimes words come out 
but mostly I'm just looking for melodies. Sometimes I'll sing other other lyrics or other things from other thing, you know, other people's songs, and and um and just looking for different melodies to that to to the music and trying to find the the personality of the song just with melody and music. And then later, I will start to like craft lyrics, and and th- that's when the, the the hard work of the the writing the specific lyrics comes into play. But that's definitely the the last, and I would say kind of. Uh, of the three, the least important uh, of, of of the things to me, you know, it's it's melody and music that that make the song, and the lyrics are, uh, if they're good, then that's 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 the third leg in the in the on on the stool, you know, in a way. But um, but but good lyrics without good melody, I think. Um, or, or, you know, the song isn't going to work. It's going to flop. So, you ever kind of, you ever, you ever sort of, you're just, you're trying to figure it out. You're trying to figure it out. Do you ever kind of go, fuck, why, why can't we just be a party band? You know, where everything is, do you ever wish that you did another type of music or is there anything else where you go, oh, I'll be so much simpler if we were just this? Um, I don't because I, I, it's, it's, we're doing, we're doing exactly what, what we find the most that, that we that we like to do the the most. So it, it's uh, so doing what we're doing is the easiest thing for do. Like it would be much harder for us to. And we've kind of tried in the past to like oh, let's try to write a song that's that's more radio friendly or, or you know more accessible or whatever that means and, and more more instant because um, we've been described as a grower band and our records are growers, which we interpret as something you're not going to like at first, you know? Um, and, and, and so, but is that we, what that means? Oh, that's not what I, I thought that, I thought that just sort of meant like that the way that it, it's sort of like word of mouth spreads. We, we like to look at the, the, the dark, the, no, the worst, the worst bad, possible the worst, translation. The worst Matt looked at it correctly. That's how I would look at it. <laughs> that's how you would have looked <laughs> at exactly what I would think. Yeah. You're not going to like this until later. If, yeah, if you, if you have to keep listening, you'll, you might like it later. If you stumble across yeah, it later yeah. and then you, but I think it be. is something that people like, that's one of the things they like about us is that the records will, our records, and this is some, something that we don't consciously work towards it being something that, that slowly grows on people. That's not um, it's just the way it. It's just the way our songs. That's the way people just say say our our albums work on them, and um, and we've done well by that. So we, we we're not trying to change any formulas. But every time we've tried to like, oh, let's write a radio hit because there has been pressure from from label. Not much. We've got a pretty awesome label, but not much pressure. But there has been some pressure here and there. Like, is there any like like is there anything? What do you think we could do to like you know to this song to make it a little more. X Y Z meaning these these factors make it have it give it a better shot of being a commercial radio. Make a lot song. of money, basically. They're saying, yeah, I mean, like, and break. And if you can get a song on commercial radio, it's it's a whole different ball game. You know, it's like indie rock, and and where we have existed, this little sort of corner of indie rock is a very tiny, tiny place. And and if you're able to get, it only takes one song to kind of cross over, um, and and that's. That that changes everything. It's a whole different, you know. It's it's exponentially. Just need that one song in a T-Mobile commercial. Well, something like like yeah. that that can do it. That can do it. And, and the, because there's a whole, you know, eighty percent of of music listeners have like honestly probably never don't even have never used the word indie rock or or, or think about indie rock or whatever that means. I think eighty percent of people just hear 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 what they hear on. 
you know commercial radio and stuff and that's what they that's that's the world of music and they'll never it's like when it's like when arcade fire won the grammy all these people came out um and said, who the who's arcade fire you know i was right i was kind of i was like wow it reminded me of how small this little indie rock insular music nerd universe is when it, in 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 regards to the big picture you know um and i think it was it was kind of Arcade Fire, Bon Iver, breaking breaking that ceiling a little bit. I mean, actually, other bands have done it too. REM was an indie indie college band. Well, I was just thinking first, about. You know, I don't know why I was thinking about this in the shower, but this is just thought. I was just sort of thinking about Mumford and Sons in the shower. Like, you're not how alone. Did, how did they get? <laughs> that's funny. It's like I mean, it's good, but I, I don't. I never would have thought oh, this is going to be like a smash commercial. Right. Hit and cross over and really because it was very when I first heard it it was quite a few years ago and it, it just it sounded like oh this is really kind of cool almost uh-huh. you know borderline there's a little bit of bluegrassy something in it uh-huh. you know it's like a little bit of something and I never would have thought like it, oh this is going to cross over and be a thing uh, even though I really liked it but I wonder if in just the way that radio works now it's sort of like you know if an arcade fire or a band like that pops through it's like yep that's that's just indie rock all represented by this one band it's not mm-hmm. like the radio stations start playing everyone right right uh well i think i mean i don't know i think it all goes through phases in the in 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 terms of like yeah, Mumford and Sons were, were like were they were they a small indie band? They were for a very short time because they became they became, they, they they broke through that that ceiling or broke through that other side almost instantly, didn't they? I mean, like quickly. I guess I just put them in the same. I remember listening to Mumford and so and did Sons. Arcade Fire. Well, sort of. No, maybe maybe not as fast. I just but. remember listening to them at the same. It was the same year that I listened to like Midlake and Decemberists and uh-huh. like all these bands that I've. I, for the longest time, just started calling Frontier Rock because it just sounded like, uh-huh. oh, this is like sort of an anachronistic, right. you know, kind of 19th century ideal in uh-huh. music. And why was it, of those three that you just mentioned, why was why was it Mumford & Sons? Like, all three of those bands you mentioned are great, amazing bands. But why was it Mumford & Sons became a, a humongous band, you know? And, America uh, likes family. <laughs> is that what it is? So like, oh, and Sons is obviously a family business. <laughs> <And sons. somewhere. laughs> oh, wait, someone they brought their kids up there? No, I don't know if they're all. Uh, I don't think it's a dad. And a I mean, bunch it's of kids. it's I, it's mostly because the, the they, they made a great record, you know, and, right. and, and people responded to it. But um, but you know, the Decemberists are a brilliant band that is that has. Um, I mean, when you like talk about the sound, has been doing. Writing music in that same same kind of universe, but then there's why is it that like the Lumineers and and Mumford and Sons? Um, I'm not saying they these all these bands sound the same, but they're in the same kind of family. They're, they're in the same. They're in the same color. Family. They're yeah. they're in close. Their colors are close in terms of the uh, the, the spectrum of the whole rainbow. They're, the uh, the but, Spotify engine would probably recommend them. <laughs> right, to each exactly. Other. And that and yeah. that. You know, so yeah. so what is it about one or one of the other ones that just? I don't know. I don't know. I'm not really really sure. Uh, we've We've oh, learned well, just he doesn't that, have any answers, Chris. Let's I don't have any answers. I can't remember what we're talking about, but I, we've learned that every time we, we've we've made an attempt to let's see if we can make you know go for it or you know it never helps us write songs. The songs that come out of that motivation or that place um, have never been have not been songs that we we pursue and they, they they don't end up on the record because when it comes to us we all, it's the five of us just listen to the, the whatever sketches and whatever ideas the 20 25 songs that are are in the mix and it's 
the ones that we love the most that, that last for us, you know, bubble to the top. And even if one of those, like, well, that one was catchy and that could be on the radio, it's not, that isn't enough for us to put it on our record. Maybe to our own, you know, our own detriment a little bit, but that's, that's never the way we put together. Put put records together, but that being said, I will admit that, that with this record, we are we are tr- you know we're trying to um, push a couple songs um, into into like you know mainstream commercial radio just to see if like when we just uh, uh, just to see you know whatever Trent we have I don't know what you call it like you campaign for them you like push them you know our manager is, is trying to trying to see if they can get us onto some of that stuff and she's doing a good job with that and we've supported yeah, we support going for it. But uh, it's never helped us write songs. Just get you, know. you on a Zach Braff soundtrack. You'll be good to go. <laughs> That's all we probably have. We've been on a lot of uh, Oh, my soundtrack. God. My, my favorite soundtrack song of yours was from the Portal 2 soundtrack. Oh, yeah. It was a fucking great game. Actually, did they actually put out a, a, a soundtrack? Exile and Vilify. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's the song we did. But, if but you did buy, it. Yeah, you buy, because I have the song, and it you says the from, yeah. from the game Portal. You know, it says from Oh, I didn't Portal, know you could Portal download 2. it separately. I thought you had to, had to get to that point in the game. To ever hear the song, it's, it's for sale now. No, it's for sale now. I, but should, it's a, I should know that. It's a fact to your account. Now you know. I, I'm so bad at video games. I would never. I see. I I haven't been able to listen to the song since we sent it in because the only place I thought it existed is when you get to that room deep in that game where it's playing on the radio. So I wonder and if I'm they'd not, mind if I. I'm not good enough. I wonder if they would get mad if I tacked it on to the end of the. Put it on here into into the podcast. If you say it's okay, yeah. I think it's okay. Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> Yeah, that'll stand up in court. That'll prom- oh, there it is. Yeah, see? And it says uh, Exile Vilify from the game Portal 2. Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, you know, we put that out. I should know. We put that out. That's our- <laughs> this is your band! We had to recognize the album artwork. Uh, now, now that I see the album art, I realize that is a, that is a product of ours. Yeah. <laughs> I should realize that that's available. But it's, so. such a, it's, such a, it's such a beautiful song, and it's so simple. And, and, and when, you're writing, when you're making a song like that... Do you have to fight the urge to? Oh, we should put this section in, and we should add this thing. Like, how do you how do you sort of balance out knowing when to to streamline to keep the message, like to to make to empower the song by actually removing a lot, like too many elements? Uh, that is a thing that we uh, when we're writing and 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 you know recording stuff, we will we will throw everything at a song any any ideas that anybody has but let's try this on it let's see let's do it this way let's let's put strings to it or let's put a brass section to it or you know let's go from from real drums and 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 marry those with 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 you know studio weird you know electronic loops and stuff we will anybody who's got any ideas we throw it all at the song but then we've learned to build in plenty of time for us to go back and carve away all the extraneous stuff and and um pull the song back to its essential elements sometimes its essential elements will be a little tiny bits of tons of things and that makes the weird alchemy of a song but um this our songs in the recording and mixing process get ruined and then come back and get ruined again and so it's it's a weird it's a weird constantly like moving target mutation and sometimes we just have to realize right when right when the balance of, of all the stuff is right and we stop and we have to like say all right that's it let, let, let's that's that's as good as that that's 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 the best version of that song that's it's, a hard thing to do is, it's be, really hard. is be able to go yep this is done well it's well it's really hard to do 
with one person and then you have five people plus a producer and you know mixer who's got oh. creative opinions that's why for us working you know writing and recording and, and making a record it has been in our our past a very and i think it is probably for every band a unless there's somebody who's who's totally in charge like you know we don't have that person i'm not in charge aaron and bryce or nobody else is in in charge it's it's a definitely a, it's a semi-democratic collective and um and that is good for our band but it also creates it is hard for us to, to come together and all agree and be unanimous about which way a song should go when the song is finished which songs are worth being on the record or not and so we fight like 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 animals in the studio um the five of us and um and in the past it's actually gotten gotten to the point where we were afraid of like like this isn't this is too te- this is this isn't fun uh anymore um or we th- or we thought that this is that we we can't work together anymore and, and and that that happened more around boxer um where we thought this might be the end of the band what we what was nice is we came out of the boxer and then we did it again with High Violet, which was slightly less fraught with tension and, and, and fighting. Uh, but we got through it both times and we we just realized that's just our process. And it's not going to be... We don't have to fear the end of the band that we'll, we'll hate each other so much after all the arguing and the tension of making a record that, that it'll kill the band. Uh, so with this newest record, all those all that fighting happened and all this, but we were, we weren't worried about, about the marriage ending. You know? Yeah. You have, you have to be comfortable with like, this is just part of our process. And if that it's not, right. everything's not on the line. I actually, ha- I actually have the national, uh, as a Pandora channel. And so it, I thought it might be kind of fun is, uh, I'm not going to play it on the podcast, but I just want to see what Pandora thinks is in your channel. Oh, uh, what other bands? I'm, I'm curious to know if you agree. What other bands are in our channel? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So right, right now it's playing something from Boxer. Who decides that? Do do fans? A computer. A, it's an a, algorithm. It's an algorithm. An algorithm. An algorithm, and it'll actually tell you. So uh, who's in our algorithm? It, it'll actually it'll actually tell you um, somewhere on here if I can find the function. But then every band that you say afterwards, I'm going to go. Ugh. <laughs> Seriously? <laughs> Ugh. Oh come they on! They suck. No, nah, I won't say it. But um, yeah, I, I, I want to find the. Uh, I wonder if there's uh, there, there should be a place on here that'll tell me why it uh, it'll tell me why it picked the song. Oh, and put it does it on, and put it on your channel. You because this, this is... guy also sounds like Eeyore. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think you sound like Eeyore? I've been I've been compared to Eeyore a number of times. <laughs> I've also been compared to Rain Man a few times. I'm not sure what that means, but that, uh, uh, I think it's my more my stage presence. You, um, you, th- well, you seem you seem totally like a chill kind of guy. Yeah, an unRain Man esque man. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. You do a lot of counting numbers on stage. That would that would no. I walk way. around and I have weird weird ticks and stuff. And and um, if you Google. If you Google is Matt Berninger, um, the top three are is Matt Berninger alcoholic, is Matt Berninger depressed, and is Matt Berninger autistic. Oh, uh, wow. Yeah. Those are the top three Those Google are the top searches. top three, yeah. And then the fourth is is Matt Berninger married. 
<laughs> oh, so they're more. They want to yeah. know more if you have autism than if you're actually in a relationship. Yeah, something. And yeah. now that you've mentioned this on the podcast, that could kick autism up to number two or one when people are like, "Oh, now I got to search that to see." Now I, I probably you're right. Yeah, you probably did. Just, I just do that. Is that how that works? That for, for yourself. Who's in my algorithm? Uh, who's I don't know, in the yeah, national it's, it's algorithm? Still, we're, we're still a minute and a half away from uh, the end of Star Wars. Uh, so oh, it won't do anything until yeah, then. So it'll I play. Gotcha. See what happens if I skip it right now? Then Pandora will think that I don't like this song, and then it won't uh, play it again. Don't do that. But if you can see here, I previously thumbs up this song right which means that i do like it so i don't want that to happen let me ask you though is it gonna say what other what other songs are like the song start a war or is it is it band based or song based uh, i think it's i think it's a bit of song and based but i can't find now song and band yeah song and band based but i can't find now um that function oh here we go um well here are the lyrics it gives you the lyrics right there uh, features of this track basic rock song structures folk influence mixed acoustic and electric instrumentation extensive vamping uh vamping. is a thing um i mean I, I like some vamping uh i don't know what that i don't know what that's supposed to mean um major key tonality acoustic guitar riffs acoustic rhythm guitars subtle use of strings the subtle use of a horn section these are just a few of the hundreds of attributes cataloged for this track by the Music Genome Project. So hmm. I, I, maybe, maybe that's a user-based. Maybe okay. that's sort of a people um, saying this I is... I can't wait to see what it says. This is, yeah, so, so that's, that, that's what it says for that one. Uh, and then we are seven seconds away from the next song. You can't skip ahead? No. I don't want to fuck it up. I don't want to fuck it'll, up the it'll, algorithm. It'll, it'll tell the oh, algorithm that... Sigurás. Oh, wow. Uh, came up next. Huh. Vidspielum Endelaust. Which uh, oh, they're they're lame. <laughs> no. I, I, that's that's I'm 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 Sigur worst. I'm I'm proud to be in, in 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 the algorithm with those guys. Yeah, so it threw you in there because it said that uh, it, acoustic rock instrumentation, subtle use of vocal harmony, mild rhythmic syncopation. I wonder if uh, Boy, this just makes the music so much fun when you talk Peter about it this K- way. Peter, K- I wonder if they do, they go by credits because Peter Cadis. Um, who who produced Boxer and, and mixed that with us? Also did um, did some Sugara stuff. So well, there yeah. maybe something to the or actually no no it was it was, it was Jonesy's uh, so last solo record um, that he did stuff. So maybe there, there's connections behind the scenes there. Does this? Uh, do you have any? Uh, what, when you do you just sit and listen to music, or do you listen to a whole album, or do you listen to uh, like some sort of a randomizer? Like what's your when you sit and listen? I to put music? together a playlist. Um, about two, about a year and a half ago, that had has like about three hundred songs, and and I that's the only thing I've been still listening to, and I got to make another playlist, and I got to buy some new music, and 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 uh, but the amount of time I spend with headphones on writing songs and working on songs and listening to the to our own sketches that those guys are sending me, and 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 uh, so at the end of the day. Like I turn off everything. I can't. I can't barely watch TV anymore, and um, I just stare at the fire in the, in the backyard <laughs> for for several hours until until my my mind falls asleep. But um, um the next album will be called "Staring at the Fire." Yeah, uh, staring into flame. Staring um, into flame. You know, you actually, you could just write a song that way. You could just stare at a fire and describe it, and then it would probably be a really awesome song. I don't know. Do you ever do you ever do you ever think about writing literally? Like, it'd be like, like taking it'd be a, like, a literal situation. And, it'd be and, like yellow, orange, yellow, orange, orange, white, orange, yellow, hot, yellow, hot, hot. Okay, I, you ow, know, spark on pants. I gotta say, no, no. I think that would be pretty great. 
I think that would be kind of cool. A song about yellow, orange, yellow, no, orange, no. white. No, you pop. could I, with you the could right music, more. you could wait. You could absolutely make that work, and people would paint so so many. Things. Johnny Cash wrote a pretty good fire song. That's true. Yeah. Well, in fairness, it wasn't Johnny that wrote it. All right, who wrote that? June Carter. June Carter. June Carter Cash wrote Ring You're of Fire. Right. They were together forever. Um, That's good. What kind of uh, what? What are some of the other songs that are in this 300 playlist? Is it does it span all of music, or do you feel like it's one kind of sector of? No, it's a big mix, and it was um, it was it was it was put together. Uh, I just I call it the Big Sur mix, and it was because uh, my wife and I and and a good friend and his wife were, were hadn't spent time together in many 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 years and we decided they came out here um and uh we all drove from here up to big sur and had a had a kind of just like you know a couple of days up there and we just stared at fire stared at fires up there and then up there and then drove back and so this was this mix was just constantly on random and being played and um so it's got it's 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 got india it's got like pavement it's got uh it's got Air Supply. It's got which one? Uh, I'm all Dylan. out of love. Yeah. Wait, yeah. no. Wait, uh, is that the one? Which one that starts out like, whoop, and then stops and goes, no, it's not all out of love. Um, I, I might actually. Oh, so third Every one. Every woman eels. in the world to me. Eels. Eels. The, oh, we're in there with the eels. Eels Ooh. number one. Uh, my timing is off. It's uh, the number. Is the eels? Is eels song? Realize the best part of life. Oh, that's lost in love. Lost in love. Yeah. Lost in Love, yeah, that's what's on there, and then a lot of Roy Orbison, um, so a little Tom Petty, Guided by Voices, some Breeders. So it's a big, big mix of of stuff that I love, and you know, Elliot Smith. Uh, yeah. Do you feel? Uh, do you ever feel like? Oh, I should probably. When you say you want to listen to new music, is, do do you want to try to discover new music to sort of fill up? whatever it is and inside you to be inspired to write in different directions or do you um i mean yeah when i want to like i i feel like th- this last record was very influenced by that playlist and, and very influenced by roy orbison for me in, in particular um mostly just listening to how he would his vocal melodies would just would just go to go to 10 different places and never never go back um, and with all within one song, um, and just uh, I, I turn on a dime, and the, the, it, f- it feels like many of his songs. It feels like oh, there's a completely new song inside this song, and then it turns, you know, all within the, the span of four minutes. And I was fascinated by by what he was doing um, melodically, and so making while we were while I was singing melodies and coming up with stuff for for trouble will find me. He was. He was always on my mind. He was always on my mind. He was on my mind. That's not him. Um, but, anyways, uh, that is on my, on my playlist, though. But um, the Pet Shop version, boy. The, the Pet Shop Boys yeah, version? Pet, pet Shop Boys. You're always on my version. mind. Yeah. I like that one. Anyways, but uh, yeah, so now I feel like I need to, I need to, I need to stir up the soup with, with, with something else and, and be inspired by some other things. There are, there, there, there is something kind of fun to, cause I'm sure most of the time, I mean, since you've written a ton of songs, it, you, do you listen to music and you go, yeah, I kind of, okay. Yeah. I sort of see what there. are there any artists where you go, I have no idea how they got from that point to that point and how they were, how they tied that all together. Um, 
in terms of of their like career or just within no no a song? W- within a song like I, 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 I will stay I mean I mean I'm everyone talks I mean I don't have, but but I will be I like there'll be phases where I don't listen to Radiohead then I'll put them on and I'm like and like I'll be sick with oh everybody loves Radiohead and I'll li- I'll listen to it and like. I'll be sh- continually shocked, like wow, like what what the the creative moves that are happening within one song here and there with that band are uh, are always just blow me away. Um, and you know they're Radiohead for a reason. Um, also, I mean Beck does crazy amazing little Beck's amazing, you know, shifts of like he can go from like a lovelorn groove to all of a sudden flip it into like some funky. Th- it's like he's. He's his songs are really exciting um, within one song, you know, and over the course of a record, it's uh, it's it's yeah yeah those those I mean there's a reason why those those guys have sustained a a long and loving uh, f- you know followers because nobody's quite sure what they're gonna do. Another band that does that um, is Liars. I'm like when Liars put out a record, I'm always like I can't wait to f- figure out what what. You, know, you put that in. I, I could be anything. You, you know, I have no idea what, what what's about to come out of those speakers when I put on a liar's record and or from song to song. I think that's that's exciting. There's some. I was just thinking about. Just thinking, there's there's some there's some Beck songs that like you know because it, it just like he just mysteriously releases like all of a sudden like oh there's a Beck record what there is oh great yeah that uh, that's there are some songs in there where it almost feels like he's daring people to put it on the radio where it's almost like I fucking dare you to figure out a way to put this right. uh, uh, on the radio. Well, he did he, the last. The last thing he released was sheet music. Yeah, um, yeah. And, and but he was as a whole. He was writing in a whole different style with the under, like with the understanding that this needs to be something that people can can look at and read and play. Um, so it's it's it. His other records often he, he had he had to avoid doing some of the things that he does in the studio with all the like. You can just like feel it weird. You know, make things sound weird and do do different versions. Put million pedals on it so it the guitar sounds like nothing you've ever heard with sheet music it's like sheet music for guitar here it comes you know it's like uh it didn't have all those all the studio trickery to it and he it was important for him to, for the songs to work whoever was playing them just as a piece on of music. whatever version yeah. of you know crappy guitar or piano that they have that the, the song needed to still work and you couldn't soup it up with um you know giant plate reverb and and you know, 20 weirdo pedals and stuff. So I thought that was really, really cool. And I think that's being released by different people are, are recording it. I don't know, yeah. maybe, I don't know. But so he just does, he just, he's a really inventive, uh, he's really inventive in not only as a musician, but also in, in the way he thinks about how people, uh, you know, listen to music and acquire music and how they they think of it i thought that that was that was amazing i actually have not I, since i can't play the guitar i have no idea what that record sounds like so, <laughs> that the sheet music record it's like yeah. you're giving your homework to, to listen to the song <laughs> i need to learn to play guitar just so i can hear that beck's last record so when you so if, when you're in a band was it like 13 years now you guys our band started i think we started getting together and in in re- noodling around with song ideas in 99 so just the beginning yeah. of when radio started to get weird when the internet and like when uh, when yeah. all when when the, it was like just just the cusp of music about to change about the to like business. the way people found out about you and and we would not I I think if we had started five years earlier, uh, we probably would have died on the vine um, a little bit um, because we were for the first five years of our career 
we didn't have any attention at all, but we had just enough little mentions here in blog, this blog or that blog or little, little things that were, you know, online, you know, things sustained us and kept us, kept us from losing faith, I think. Um, and I think bands now, and then, then ultimately, you know, we've become a, a relatively successful band without, a, like, like I was saying, without a single radio hit or, uh, we've never been on the cover of any magazines until just like this this year. Really. So you do consider yourself successful. That's good. Yeah, yeah. No, oh, good. Because before when you were talking I'm, about I'm, like, oh, you know, great. sometimes they put pressure on us. To like, you know, I, I hope it's just what you never want to see is when people are doing really well, really well and they're like, nah, it's not. You're like, no, come on, it's happening. We're not. We're not. You know, we're not buying sports cars, um, but uh, but as far as band goes, a bunch of people making rock songs for a living. I I, I think you know I'll be able to s- pay my rent, and and right now we're at a point where we can we don't have other jobs. You know, it's just this band, so we are very successful. That's 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 I think our definition of success that we we don't have to have other jobs um, right now. We may soon, but after this interview. Uh, but, <laughs> Just start uh, shitting on everyone yeah, yeah. systematically, and here's what this guy does. And here's what... But, uh, but, but talking about the way the music, the way people find music and are exposed to music, his, we would not, we would not, our band would not be around, I think, if, if it hadn't happened in, in that atmosphere. And I think a lot of, I think when they talk about the music industry, I do believe, I think the industry, industry side of it has suffered a lot, which, who cares? You know, it's like it's business. That the business side of of I, I I don't think any musicians or music lovers care about that. You right. know, too much. I'm not, I'm not trying to be harsh, but uh, but as far as music lovers and musicians trying to make music and find people to connect with and, and put it out there in a way that people can hear these songs that they're writing in their bedrooms. They don't need they don't need a major label. They don't need. They, maybe all they need is a, a MySpace page or whatever the newest version of MySpace is. I, I'm not very good at that stuff, but um, <laughs> we hire we hire experts to deal with that. But anyway, my point is is like is you can be a band in the shadows for a long time and slowly, slowly people can find you or you know. I think uh, that's so much better than if I mean obviously if a band pops on their first album, oh that's fun you know that's fun for them. But then it doesn't give anyone. It's so much more fun to discover a back catalog. When you're like, how have I never heard of this band before? Oh my god, there's like four amazing albums uh-huh. that I get to experience and kind of watch them yeah. evolve as opposed to, you know, huge, like one album is huge and the next one's like, this next one better be fucking great, you yeah. know? Like well, that's the slow I mean, build is way better. I, I We've had a very slow build, and I, I mean, not on, on purpose. We, you know, I would, I would have told you that at the very beginning if we could have... If we could have been the Strokes, we would have chosen that a million times over. And uh, right now, we feel very, very, you know, happy with with how how things happen for us. But um, uh, I think there is something um, I discovered. Like for example, Tom Waits. I think I first heard Tom Waits when I was in college, and it was a it was actually a Red Hot compilation, and I, and I can't remember what song it was, but um, I'd never listened or heard of Tom Waits, and I wasn't you know I, I wasn't uh, I, whatever I hadn't been exposed to it, and I heard this song on some I wish I remembered the name of the song on some Red Hot compilation, and I loved it so much I thought this is the great, and I I was convinced it was a black guy. Um, and so I went looking for Tom Waits records, and then the, first, the I went to a little indie, a little little record store in Cincinnati, and the only thing I could find 
that that was and this this little story didn't have much of Tom Waits was a Tom Waits er, the early years record and on it there's this there's this skinny young white guy on the cover you know and I'm like this isn't the same guy you know and I even bought the but I brought the record took it home and he sounds completely different back in his early years stuff it's it's like, oh this is Tom Waits he's a totally different guy. No, you're right. Exactly. Sorry, uh, no, no, a, you want Tom Waits. I thought this was. Some, I was like, this is. Oh, this is some other white guy named Tom Waits um, playing these like kind of songs on an acoustic guitar about his sitting here in my rocking chair with my dog losing his hair, or whatever. You know, it's like uh, that's not the same guy. And then, and then I bought, and then I then Bone Machine I think came out or something, and 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 then I I started following the arc from from this his early years stuff which or, or whatever that was that was maybe i don't know when he put out the early years but it was like it's folksy like you know just a guy in a in an old old guitar too much later when it gets into these crazy you know like garage like whatever stuff is he's building instruments out of in his garage and kooky the stuff that's on bone machine and later stuff frank's wild years and stuff and seeing it was such a pleasure to see how an artist evolved from these these two these two points, you know, these two points at which which I discovered you know his latest thing and his earliest thing, and then you know following all the dots in between and going back and forth between the dots in between was a was a really crazy exciting way to to discover to somebody. So if somebody like you know if if in ten years from now some kid gets to college and somebody says oh there's this old band from. 2012 or whatever 2013 called the national check them out you know then they they go get our first record thinking you know and it, our first record sounds nothing up to me sounds nothing like trouble will find me or or, or high violet and i think that's I, I like to be i like to think that maybe we'll be one of those kind of bands but are you excited about getting older in the sense of like oh i can't wait to see with you know 10 or 20 years more wisdom experience emotions sadness happiness like what what comes out of that of us yeah. what we make um yeah i mean it's it's been i mean it's it's i it's been a, it's been such a uh now having done it and having it been a thing that's lasted you know over a decade and and just see how we've evolved as 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 people as men and as musicians evolved and devolved and gone through high points and dark dark horrible times and stuff and and yeah it's 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 been a uh it's been a, a an exhilarating um thing you know the, the band has been an amazing crazy you know maddening but exhilarating thing that i never would have dreamed of being in a rock band I, like i said i don't i didn't learn how to play the guitar and and or piano really and so i got so lucky because of being having having friends that were great musicians and just being connected to them and they they uh, there was a window for me to come in and sing along because I couldn't do anything else and so I I kind of cheated my way snuck into the into the business of being being into a, in a rock band and uh and the, and what that turned into over the past you know 14 years now is um it, it, you know I I find it uh I I'm I'm shocked and and, and bewildered and and grateful for it's been amazing but um do you ever find that the band, that the concept of the national is sort of its own entity and you might come up with something and you go, ah, that's not for the national. Like it's just a separate, like it doesn't yeah. fit the entity. Yeah, we all have, I mean, well, we don't, we're constantly trying to not have the entity be something like that, but where it's like, oh, that's what the national sounds like. We actually are, are attempting every record to sort of 
put completely, you know, do the, like not walk in our own footsteps if possible. At at some point, we're also like, well, a, a song, you know, if the song is good, that's all that matters. We don't have to try to reinvent ourselves every time. But 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 I think it's important, like I was saying about other bands, like like we mentioned earlier. But that that like Becker, Radiohead, you have to keep surprising yourself, or else or else you will sort of wither on the vine a little bit. And so, uh, but that being said, there are all of us have things. I mean, Bryce does all kinds of stuff with classical music that just. It just you know maybe it's just because I, I have a hard it's hard for me to sing to it's um you know it's more it's too academic or something but so he's got a, an outlet for that stuff Aaron does a lot of producing and and doing stuff with other musicians too and stuff um so so we, our band has a has a relative is a very kind of open open philosophy philosophy about we have an open marriage oh if good you, you know, <laughs> if you want to put it that way um. <laughs> And um, I have not done much outside of the national musically because I'm I'm too sleepy uh, mostly. Or, uh, well, it's hard enough really to keep one band together, <laughs> right? <laughs> um, but um, you know, but uh, but I've done a lot, a lot of little little things with other people and stuff like. But I think it's good. It's, it keeps our it's it's healthy. It's healthy to for us to have that uh, that um, uh, just just release valve to like so it's not all the pressure on this one thing mm-hmm. you know this one collaborative uh you know crucible of the nas- national it's it gets it gets hot in there and we all need to like get out of it sometimes so i think that's that's been something that's kept our band together actually the the the, the side projects by the way pandora uh, the last song was uh, for emma boniver oh. and now this one is uh, two door cinema club wow which i don't uh, i don't recognize the name of all right that doesn't sound like us. Not really. I want an explanation for this Pandora. That two door cinema club. That's that's that seems like that would be on the um, Vampire Weekend. This feels very much like a Vampire Weekend. Well, sometimes it does. I, actually, I, I have. Actually, I, I thought that I, was Vampire Weekend. I, I have heard this song before. Um, okay, so this is uh, features on this track. Four on the floor beats. That's a thing. Rock influences, electronic influences, new wave influences. I think. Um, Oh, I've heard this song. A knack for catchy hooks, it says. I think um, sometimes... Well, if it's catchy hooks, it shouldn't be with us. (laughs) We don't have catchy hooks. I think sometimes Pandora will reach outside a little bit to the far edges of where it can justify to see, like... This direction, and then so you'll go no, and then it go. Okay, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Okay, back to the back. To the I think middle. Pandora is trying to trick uh, two door cinema club fans into liking us by by linking to us. When well, let's see if I skip if I skip the song. What comes up next? Up, oh, Sufjan Stevens. Yep, Chicago, Illinois, fucking great album. See, I think a lot of it might be because we've collaborated with 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 Justin Vernon, Bunny Bear, and Sufjan, and. And a lot of those people, there, there might be there might be liner note algorithms that are that are going on. There's there. like there's a literal connective tissue yeah. as opposed to just a musical connective and tissue. Maybe, yeah. Um, and then um, you, your brother made this documentary, or is he? That's one of the reasons why I, uh, I haven't really had any side projects because my brother and wife uh, have been have ed- ed- edited. My brother made it mostly, meaning he came on tour with us. Um, my brother, let me let me back it up here. Um, my brother is nine years younger than me. He is um, uh, a different type of person than I am. Um, uh, we're both equally awesome, but he's a very <laughs> different version of awesome now. Um, 
anyway, he's nine years younger. And in in before, when we were about to head out on tour for for our High Violet, uh, we needed help um, because our the um, it was things shows were getting bigger. So um, I invited Tom along, and I convinced our tour manager to hire Tom as an assistant tour manager um, because that's the one job that didn't have technical skills that necessary like like how to how to fix an amp or or all this kind of stuff it was it was more of like you know guestless stuff and uh backstage stuff and all that stuff stuff that that um tom could do um so i invited him on tour and he came on tour and and my brother is not he's not even an indie rock fan he's he's a heavy metal guy only heavy metal and and uh horror movies and that kind of stuff so he's he uh and he'd never been to Europe. Anyway, all these things. It was Tom was it was definitely a fish in in the in the wrong kind of water. <laughs> um, and even even the job of assistant tour management was that's that takes somebody who is detail oriented and, and like you know can just like handle fifty small things and, and make sure they're all taken care of. And uh, my brother's just not that. Either am I. Person, I'm not that kind of a. I don't have that kind of a personality or or, or organizational brain um so what happened was uh things kind of went badly in in with him in that role of assistant tour manager and after eight months of touring and uh, just a lot of things went badly and um and he ended up getting fired um but he ended up with he had 200 hours of footage and he had had this little camera around his neck um the whole time and he was with us everywhere in the bus and in hotel rooms and and uh he was filming everything and he digging through it all. Uh, it was some of the things that he found, which are not flattering things. And I won't tell you what happens in the movie or what, what's what kind of footage is in the movie specifically, but um, it's nothing what any of us expected. Uh, um, um, like uh, we just thought he was going to make an innocuous little, little, some little, maybe a video, a silly video or some little bits and pieces of, 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 video for our website, you know, uh, silly backstage stuff. What ultimately he made is a, is a very beautiful, weird, sad, uh, funny movie that I, that, that my wife helped him pull together and edit. Um, and it's, 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 I think one of the most interesting creative things I've ever been involved in and and as a subject. Um, but yeah, it's called mistaken for strangers and it's, it's amazing. It must be kind of strange to... It's a good title, though. Well, especially if you... I think what's great about it is that, like, you know, someone does a documentary or a reality show or whatever, they know they're being filmed, and it's sort of like, oh, uh-huh. you're a little heightened because, like, oh, there's cameras. Yeah. You know, but if you don't really know that it's happening, it must be kind of weird to see yourself from a third-person point of view and go, like, is that what I... Oh, my... What? Well, he had... The camera he had is about the size of a softball, and it just hung around his neck, and so it wasn't like he had a camera on his shoulders or the light or anything like that. And after after a week of being on tour, he's also a a, a, a very affable person and, and disarming person. And so he was everybody's guard, you know, went down after about a week because that little camera was so small, and he would always kind of be fiddling with it. And you didn't know if he was actually just trying to see if he had battery juice or he was filming, you know. And so he was a little, he was very sneaky with it, um, and. Um, so everybody got really comfortable, and he got a lot of stuff that uh, that I would have I would have said, and in fact did say, and, in, and even many of the guys in the band said, "Don't were you filming that? Don't put that in. I don't want that in there." Um, 
all of that went into the movie. <laughs> but ultimately what happened was because the best a lot of the worst stuff was taught, was directly related to Tom and his experience of getting fired and 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 just messy stuff that when he built that 12 inch stone edge instead of the 12 foot one when he did the what 12 inch stone edge exactly <laughs> it was that kind of stuff <laughs> i mean like 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 some some major fuck ups happened and um but anyways when we started when we saw what he was doing he was showing he was showing a a, a very unflattering version of himself along the way in it that it that we all were like well if he's going to do that it's okay that he puts this other stuff in and it ultimately we saw that it wasn't it wasn't w- with with the purpose of exposing anything about about our band or about you know whatever goes on you know backstage or on the tour bus it wasn't about that it was he and he and my wife were were, were putting together a story of how weird and awkward it is this family you know the, the dynamic of 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 sibling dynamic of older sibling younger sibling of famous you know live being in this in, 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 a, in the shadow just how hard it is to to make something of yourself on your own how, to, how hard it is to finish something and how hard it is not to go down you know some 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 bad paths and stuff so he made a movie that's not about the national it's about it's about um himself and about relationships and it's it's really um much 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 more interesting than a profile of a band on tour, um, and I think that's why people are people are responding to it. It's it's, it's all these it's, it's in it was all these Tribeca, right? It opened Tribeca. the Tribeca Film Festival, and it, it was the, the, that was the first time anybody outside the band or outside this house had had watched it, other than a few other a, f- a few people that we brought in to help us say, watch, you know, unfinished terrible terrible versions of it um and give us really harsh criticisms when we had we had some help in that but but tribeca was the first time a a big group of strangers watched it and most of them the the vast majority of people in there were not like i said had never heard of indie rock or the national and it connected with with people in, in in a much more profound way than we ever expected and it's um yeah, people come out. People crack up, but then it turns. Then people are coming out, wiping their wiping tears out of their eyes. And and Liza Minnelli apparently was was overheard saying, "Oh my God, I love that movie. I love Tom. I want to take him home." Um, <laughs> and that's when they and that's started dating. that's Tom. She's now that's now. that's what Tom is. That's what he's up to now. She's Lucille too. He's got a new he's got a new job. No, no, but uh, <laughs> but the job it, is called Liza it Minnelli. It was crazy. From Tom, you know, he made out of out of all this mess. He he! It led him to opening Tribeca Film Festival and having lunch the next day with Robert De Niro, and he just met. <laughs> he, yeah, he just the met the same Michael fucking Moore. guy that got fired by the tour manager yeah. having lunch with Robert De Niro. Yeah. And he just met Michael Moore, and Michael Moore fell in love with the movie. And so it's um, anyway, it's it's. I'm so proud of him. I'm so proud of of what he and my wife pulled together. And it's uh, and I think the whole band is the whole band is. No one expected this. No one expected what they made, and 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 if we had, and if they we had been told what what he was going to try to do, I'm sure everyone would say no way that, that we don't want that kind of movie made, um, and but he didn't even know what he was making until until almost you know until way much, like two years after he was digging through hours and hours of footage, the light bulb kind of went off for 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 Tom and my wife about this is what the movie needs to be about, and then it became about something. Significant, and it made your did it make your relationship better? It did. It did. Um, 
Um, it did on one, one level. He was living with us as he still does editing. Um, and so after he was, he was relieved of his duties on tour, I felt so bad that I didn't want him to have to go back to Cincinnati and, and move back in with my parents. So I, when, our, when the tour ended, I said, come move in with us and just work on this movie, dig through this 200 hours of stuff and make something out of it. Um, and so the process of he in, in, my wife used to be an editor at at the New Yorker for eight years, so she's she's got a good sense of of a, an amazing sense of of story and it's arc a and all that. Pretty kind of good stuff. credential there. Yeah, yeah. She's so so she's the, the two of them became this this odd couple team that that ma- that pulled this movie together. But the fact that that was all happening in this house, um, or in, in we were also in Brooklyn for, for a significant part of the time, um, it was a it was a it was a sometimes toxic collaborative thing um you know my brother's making a movie about himself and about me and and my wife's even in in the process of making the movie becomes part part of the movie it's weird it's it's a crazy pretzel of a movie and it's but it's really interesting and um but our relationship to answer your question you're going to edit this thing right because i've been talking for a while nope our oh really (laughs) nope no edits our uh our we're almost done by the way our relate my brother my relationship with my brother improve significantly in with regards to now we we are a very different type of people and and we respect we both respect each other on a different level as as adults whereas i think before that um he was so much younger and i went away to college when he was nine years old i was 18 he was nine years old he was a little little kid when i went away to college and we didn't spend you know and then 20 years went by where we weren't really together much and then he comes on tour, and he's, we're living in the bus together, living in the hotel rooms together. And you didn't even really know each other as people then. I mean, you know, not as adults, but I think we, we both of us rever- reverted into old roles of overbearing older brother and, and, and him, him as the little brother. And I think what we realize is that we are both adults, and so we both have, have to kind of respect our differences and, and respect each other as, as just people. And, and and just as brothers, but not older brother, little brother, you know. So has the film been released yet, or is it just it just put? It is. It's been. It's hitting all the festivals right now, okay. and um, it's there's going to be a theatrical release and a whole digital release and all that kind of stuff. So uh, that's what's been that's been cooking, um, and and we're pulling all of our partnerships together, and that's been a whole weird, exciting thing to figure out. Oh, how to put them, how to put a movie into the world. Just just like you were talking earlier about the music industry, like right when our band started in '99, was right when everything was shifting and how people people got music and how they first heard about music. That's definitely happening right now with film in terms of of uh, all the digital ways that p- you you can you can release uh, you know TV or film now. You know, like Louis C.K. did it on his website, but also with you know. Then there's movies that are all day and date. There's, there's, anyways, the film industry is going through a total, you know, re- reinvention. And nobody quite just knows. Just like every other, yeah, all yeah. the other, all the other entertainment distribution yeah. industries. Nobody as well. knows how to do it right, and so we are trying to put together the dream team. But situation. you know, it's always going to stay the same. That fire out there. That fire will it's never be there for you. Yeah. You know, no, I've been filming the fire, and I'm trying to figure out how to how to create a web series of just my fire. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. One of my favorite DVDs is the Holiday Fireplace. DVD. Yeah, no, it's amazing. It's, great. it's totally like you. You can watch that for a while. It's, it's a real fire, yeah. and you can watch the patterns and the. You know, it's like, uh, it's 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 you know, you never know what's gonna happen next. 
<laughs> um, so Mistaken for Strangers is uh, making the festival circuits. And then I also had noticed that you had... Uh, you guys, did you guys work with Kristen Schaal? We did a video with Kristen, yeah. And James Urbaniak. We did. He was in that video, and um, that was made by Scott Jacobson, and um, and he sort of partnered with um, John Schrader, who are both writers. John Schrader? Tall John Schrader? Tall John. You know Tall John. I've known John for fucking years. Well, John, because John's a big comedy guy. I mean, like, I mean, I've known John for years hanging out at... uh, He's the bear in that video. He's in the the bear suit, Tall John. Oh, my God. Why didn't I know that? Yeah, I just saw saw Tall John. Actually, you can actually see his face in that video, too. Um, I just saw John two nights ago. Well, he he got John Schrader is the one who called John Slattery and said, "Will you be in this video by my favorite band?" and um, and John Slattery hadn't really heard of of our band at that point, but came in and was happy to do it. So, yeah, so yeah, that was a blast. And and in fact, um, and John John Schrader was one of the people that watched several crappy versions of Mistaken for Strangers and helped us helped us out of the woods. Um, He's great, John Schrader. Great fucking guy. love that guy. No, yeah, I know. There's... I had no, I had no idea there was a John Schrader. I guess I should never be surprised because he's at the, he's sort of at the center of this pinwheel of all these different yeah. groups of bands and actors and comedians. And I think, I think he's he's got one of these unbelievably genuine um, and kind and funny uh, hearts or whatever that uh, people. When people bump into him, they 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 keep wanting to come back to him and 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 just want to want to be around him more. He's he's nothing. But, His heart um, is a hundred pounds because he's like seven feet tall. It, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's a, he's, it's, it's, he's a tall it's man. Partial just gravity. People just are. <laughs> he literally has a bigger heart than but, uh, most people. <laughs> no, but he's 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 one of the most uh, charismatic, charming, and, and 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 kind men I've ever met. And um, um, yeah, he's 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 been very kind to to our film and to to our band for for a long time, and um, and has helped us out in, in ways that uh, yeah, many many ways. Great. So, Trouble Will Find Me is the album, and Mistaken for Strangers uh, is a movie. Hopefully, people will be able to see it uh, soon. And, uh, and thanks for having us in your house, by the way. Yeah, I like. Did you guys clean up? Yeah, we'll totally we'll clean no, up. Actually, we're gonna leave this here. We're gonna leave I'm not all sure the recording. Why you guys all took your shoes off. I don't. We don't do that here. <laughs> I mean, I mean, because like how? Because I, I prefer. Because it's easier to get my pants off if my shoes are off. Do you understand how that works? Um, and then uh, we uh, normally tell people enjoy your burrito at the end of a podcast. Uh, but now I'll say this is going back to the old K Rock Radio days of like, uh, and here's uh, Exile and Vilify from the Portal Two soundtrack. Well, it's one seven carat See, it's you can have there. your burrito after this song. To have your burrito, listen to exit again. If people have not heard the song, it's going to be one of their. It's videos. not going to work well with a burrito, though. It's more of a. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> you could song. salt the burrito with your tears. It's more of a spritzer song than a burrito. So I guess anyway, that, that fits. Yeah, enjoy your spritzer. All right, uh, thanks, man. Yeah, my pleasure. Hey, good to see you. Good to see you guys. It takes your mind again. Exile. It takes your mind again. You got suckers love. Yeah.
Nerdist.com. Enjoy your burrito. 